This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, everybody. So the good news about this episode is that we had special guest, the gaming historian, on. The not-so-great news is that it sounds like we recorded this episode in a large cave. Um, We did our best to clean it up. I think it's a really good episode, so I hope you'll stick with us. If it's too much for you, please check out some of our other episodes. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Pitts. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll talk about Devin Moore, a man who shot and killed three people. Did Grand Theft Auto make him do it? And I'll be talking about Daniel Petrick, the 16-year-old boy who shot his parents over a video game. This week, we have special guest Norman Caruso, the gaming historian. Welcome, Norm. Hello, and I will be talking about the Atari Games vs. Nintendo lawsuit, which focused on the very first unlicensed games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. (laughs) So I just want to start by um, thanking our special guest, Norman Caruso. He begged to be on the podcast. I mean, he, um, since we've started this, he's been like, when are you going to let me be on? Mm -hmm. I want to be on so bad. I don't just want to... You know, it's not enough for me to set up your audio equipment each week. I just want to be featured as a guest. Please. Are people aware that I'm your husband, Kristen? Okay, well, now, now they're going <laughs> to... Here's, here's the problem. Now they're going to be like, he slept his way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> I slept my way onto this show. <laughs> Which is the only way to get on this show. <laughs> Guess so. Can't wait for future guests. <laughs> Stay tuned for Channing Tate. <laughs> no, recently um, divorced Channing Tatum. Um, my so sister, could be a possibility. Yeah, my sister sent me a text. Well, actually, no, she posted, she posted this on our, on our Facebook yeah. page, and she was like, "Hey, you talked about how you love Channing Tatum, and now he's getting a divorce." Yeah, it's clearly because he found out you're into him. Yeah, clearly he's also a big fan. He's one of our twelve listeners. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. <laughs> No, we really do appreciate you being here. You're welcome. Because as your wife and um, your business... My wife. (laughs) As your wife and your business partner, I know firsthand how much you love being on very small podcasts that no one listens to. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I should explain what I do for the listeners that have no idea what I do. Okay, you're giving me this look like I should have done it already. So I will do it. (laughs) So... The reason Norman is on this show right now is to promote his tiny little YouTube show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, um, Norman has an excellent YouTube show where he talks about uh, big moments in video game history. He does documentary style videos that are really great. He just released an hour long episode about Tetris, which is fascinating. He's been doing the show for, what, 10 years? 10 years, officially. And that's why uh, this episode is going to be dedicated to video game lawsuits. 
I noticed both of you chose violent lawsuits. Well, see, we established that I'm a fucking psychopath and love <laughs> court cases that specifically, typically revolve around stabbings. I'm branching out a little mm-hmm. bit today and doing a shooting. Couldn't find a stabbing? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no stabbings in video games. Dang. Brandy was Googling and yeah. so mad. Yes, I was so pissed. Stab and Nintendo. <laughs> Zero results. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. And um, I'm, I don't always do the violent ones, but I enjoy a violent yeah. one. Yeah. No, you usually balance me out with some more civil cases and stuff like that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Those just are just not that interesting to me. <laughs> For some reason, when you said civil, I, was th- I wasn't thinking like civil court. I was thinking like more civilized cases. And then <laughs> it flashed in my head the, you know, insight boner pills yeah. one I did. So what we do here, Kristen, is a, <laughs> a court podcast. What? And a branch of the court system is civil court. And so when I said civil court, I meant <laughs> lawsuits that are handled in Civil court. <laughs> Ma'am, I do not like the way you're talking to me. <laughs> I like to be dumb, but not have it pointed out that I'm being dumb. <laughs> no, is there anything else we need to... T- oh, should we... We should plug the Blu-ray. Yeah, so... Norm also has a great Blu-ray out. Gaming Historian, Volume 1. It's got stuff on it and things. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> It has 16 classic episodes, plus never-before-seen footage, stuff that you will never see uploaded to YouTube. That's right. And you can get it signed when you order it through our website, thegaminghistorian.com. Kristen finally got the the (laughs) website right. Brandy always has to correct me. Um, I think it's because she's constantly going to the website. (laughs) Yes. Multiple times a day. Lots of of pictures on there. Uh I understand. (laughs) (laughs) It's gaminghistorian.com. No, it's the the gaminghistorian.com. Either one works. Believe it or not, I actually created this website. (laughs) And I bought the domain names. It's weird how I know how to get to the website. How do I get to my own website? <laughs> no, it, no, it's the gaming historian. Okay, wow, wow. <laughs> we have just been you know to be clear on our own fucking podcast. <laughs> to be clear, we're here um, doing this um, as a favor to you. Oh, <laughs> as it turns That's out, right. we are not going to have a guest on this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> I am now going to stab going Norm to and blame video games. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Chipotle. I don't have time for this. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was early in the morning on June 7th, 2003, Fayette, Alabama. Police officers Arnold Strickland and James Crump spotted 18-year-old Devin Moore sleeping in a stolen car. So Officer Strickland goes over, he arrests the kid and takes him into the station on suspicion of Grand Theft Auto. Not a huge deal. They run Devin through the system. They don't see anything on him. He's totally cooperative. Again, just not not a big deal. So they take Devin to the station, and while they're there, they find out from the emergency dispatcher that a dry cleaning business near where Devin had been picked up had been burglarized. I think it was it had been burglarized that night. Mm-hmm. And at the scene of the crime, there was a shoe print. So they're like, okay, well... 
if the shoe fits. <laughs> That's exactly what they said. <laughs> so at this point, Officer Strickland and Devin are alone. And so, again, Devin's been totally cooperative this whole time. Officer Strickland uncuffs him and takes Devin's shoe to get a print of the shoe. That's when things went bad. Devin lunged for Strickland's gun, shot him in the head. Oh, my God. So he he got his gun? Yeah. Did he pull it out of a holster? or? It's The articles didn't say, but, I mean, surely he he must have had it undone. It wasn't just, like, laying on the table? I would hope not. <laughs> I'm going to lay my With gun right... With a sign that says, please take me. I'm going to go get this print done. I'm going to lay my gun right here. Now, don't right you back. touch it, Devin. Don't touch the gun, Devin. No, so, you know, Devin shoots Officer Strickland, I think it was three times, once in the the head. So, obviously, the other officer comes running down the hall. He hears this commotion. That was Officer James Crump. So, I don't think he was prepared for Devin to be the one who had the gun Mm -hmm. because by the time Devin shot him, like, he didn't even have his gun out. You know, it was... Yeah. He was totally unprepared. So, then, Devin starts running down the hall... And that's when he comes across emergency dispatcher Ace Mueller. He shoots him several times. Oh, my god! Once in the head. You really nailed the pronunciation of dispatcher. <laughs> I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> um, Norm, I don't know if you've heard, but Brandy I heard has Brandy some struggled. I cannot Big say. time. Yeah. For some reason, I'm trouble dispatcher. with that word. <laughs> don't show off, Norm. Yeah. God. <laughs> she can say dispatch. She can say uh, the er on the end. It, yeah, it's all just off. interesting. Yeah, she calls it the nine one one call. Nine one one lady. Nine one one. Nine one one boy. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> so he shoots three people again. This is a really small town, so he has just wiped out the night shift police force in this town. Yeah, in one minute. Oh my god. I mean, we're talking boom, one guy, boom, the next, boom, the third one. In the course of all this, he takes one of their car keys and leaves the station Mm -hmm. with one shoe on. (laughs) Okay. This is where I think it gets kind of weird. So he he leaves the building. He realizes, oh, shit, I forgot my shoe. He tries to go back into the building, but it's locked. So, okay, now he's shoeless, which, I mean... Priorities, I guess. Yeah. Um, But there's a fire station that's attached to the police building. And so he comes across two firefighters. And he's like, hey, guys, something bad happened out front there. You might want to check it out. Um, Then he gets into the police cruiser and he drives off. Oh, my gosh. With one shoe. With one shoe. Okay. To me, me, I guess the, the crazy thing is, like, that killing sounds so cold-blooded and so out of nowhere but then to like run into some firefighters and be like hey guys could you go check on that that just seems weird to me were the firefighters did they like register that this is a civilian driving off in a that's what i was wondering i don't think they saw that okay i i I really, there wasn't much info on uh-huh. that. I, it seems like I'm the only one who thought that was unusual. Because yeah. I saw that in like <laughs> one place yeah. and then no one else mentioned okay. it. Um, so 
here's the crazy thing. He's driving away in a police cruiser, but he can hear the the search for him going on over the police yeah. radio. And so, anyway, they eventually caught up to him in a field. When they caught him, he said, life is like a video game. Everybody's got to die sometime. Yeesh. So that's not necessarily true in video games, though. And that's what the officer said. (laughs) You can beat it. The officer pushed his glasses up his nose (laughs) and was like, actually, actually, Devin, it depends on how good you are at video games. (laughs) Actually, Devin, I did a five minute speed run in Mario Brothers and I didn't die once. So do not at me. So there goes your theory. (laughs) I'm just saying Devin's quote is not. Not accurate. So that's your one problem with this story? With no, this triple murder? Well, continue. Continue. <laughs> what he did was wrong, but he also, what he said was wrong. Okay. Okay. And I put him on the same level, but just saying. Okay. You don't have to die in a video game. Boy, I am so glad we have special guest gaming historian here. <laughs> anyway, continue. Okay. So obviously, when he said that, that got huge media attention. Um, there was a lot of focus on just that line alone. Yeah. Because for quite a while, you know, people had been talking about whether violent video games would promote violent behavior in real life. And so right. people kind of took that as, maybe it does. Maybe it does. Here's the proof. This kid said it, and he just killed three people. Yeah. So that's exactly what Devin Moore's attorney wanted to argue in court. He wanted to say, look, Devin loved playing violent video games, and it created this script in his head mm-hmm. so that when he was in that situation, he just did what he had been trained to do. So let's talk about his habits. Devin loved violent video games, specifically Duck Hunt. And that's <laughs> <laughs> the most violent yeah, video game. You couldn't say that with a straight face. Oh, come on, that was good. No, I could see right through that. Okay, fine, fine. It was Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. <laughs> so Devin loved Grand Theft Auto, specifically Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City. So let's talk for just a minute about these games. Um, it's an open world. You can do a lot of bad shit, including uh, Grand Theft Auto. Um, you, you can kill hookers. Yep. And get your money back from them. Okay, now, hang on, <laughs> hang on. I've got an issue with get your money back. Yes. Because if they perform a sex act on you, and then you kill them and take the money, then you've robbed a sex worker. You didn't get your <laughs> money back. No. If I go to Walmart right no. now and I only took the $20 that they paid and left the rest of the money. No, because that's, she's provided a service to you. All right. God, now, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> I'm serious. If I go to a store that I've shopped at before and I just take money, I'm like, I can't be like, I'm taking this back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> what if you were unsatisfied <laughs> with the services rendered? And then you killed the cashier. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like again, the cashier has to give you the money back. Like, I'm sorry. We want to keep you as a customer. We want to keep doing sexy things to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Okay. Carry on. Um, Let's see. So, yeah, like we were saying, you can do a bunch of bad stuff in Grand Theft Auto, including 
kill cops. Yes. And of course, that was the thing that people really glommed onto. You can kill cops in this video game. So like I said, at the trial... Glommed the, onto? Is, did What's I glom? use that wrong? I don't know. What is glom? I assume... I always thought it was like... Glom? Add on? No? I just, I, I've just never heard the word glom. <laughs> what if I just made it up? Yeah. I hope you did. It's I a love very it. cromulent word. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Okay, so so at the trial, the defense wanted to present this argument, that Grand Theft Auto, coupled with PTSD from his abusive childhood, basically programmed Devin to kill. Um, So a little bit about his childhood. His mom had had a drug problem for a lot of when he was growing up. He bounced around different foster systems. Are you laughing at this? I'm laughing at Norm. We just burped into the microphone. I didn't pick it up on audio. It's fine. <laughs> My goodness. He warned us that that's what he, he was going to do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, when I grabbed the Coke, I was like, I'm going to burp into the mic during the podcast. I thought you were joking. I, I was bourbon, but the mic didn't pick it up. It's fine. <laughs> fine Kristen it's fine Brandy just saw my facial I tried to ignore (laughs) it looked like you were a little volcano (laughs) (laughs) okay so sorry back to his horrible childhood this person that we were all laughing at to murder three people yes yes (laughs) so Devin his mom had a drug problem for a lot of his childhood he was in different foster homes there's some controversy over his relationship with his dad. Some people said his dad was a very strict disciplinarian Mm -hmm. and other people were like, um, well, it kind of crossed that line from strict discipline into just abuse. Abuse. Yeah. So anyway, the defense attorney wanted to argue this, this was scripted behavior. This, these games plus the childhood put him into a dissociative state where he couldn't tell what was real and what was Mm -hmm. fake. But they were not allowed to use this defense in court. They wanted to, but the court was like, nah. And I think part of the reason why the judge didn't allow it was because there weren't enough scientific studies linking video games to violent behavior. Right. So, you know, you you can't really use what that. What year is this again? I think this was 2003. Yeah. That was like during the height mm-hmm. of uh, Grand Theft Auto yeah. uh, mm-hmm. controversy. It was a very, very popular game at the time. So the defense was like, okay. We'll have to roll with this. We can't mention the video games, but he definitely had PTSD. So the prosecution, though, so so Devin pled guilt, not guilty by reason of mental defect. The prosecution argued that Devin wasn't insane, that he knew what he was doing. And then District Attorney Chris McCool told the jury, he's not crazy. He's just mean. <laughs> wow. Just yes. he's just mean. He's just mean. <laughs> what? So the jury deliberated for one hour, and they agreed with the prosecution. There was no mental defect, and they sentenced him to death. Wow. Yeah. Uh, kill two kill law cop- enforcement yeah. officers and a d- dispatcher. Yeah. yeah. And it's Alabama. And it's Alabama. You're gonna get the death penalty. No. Yeah. I I was kind of. Mm. Mm. I don't feel good about that, but. But I don't think it's surprising. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you may be wondering how the victims' families felt about all this. Like, how they felt about this idea that video games played a role mm-hmm. in this shooting. Um, 
they actually wanted video game companies to be held responsible for what happened. Wow. They agreed with it. So the day after the verdict came down in this case, they teamed up and filed a $600 million civil <gasps> suit against Grand Theft Auto manufacturer Take-Two Interactive, Sony, Walmart, and GameStop. Now, is this a, you said this is a civil suit? I know you've never heard of this before, Brandy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a civil suit. We'll put definitions in the show notes. So they included Walmart and GameStop because apparently that those were two places where he had bought mm-hmm. the Grand Theft Auto games. Walmart sold Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that they, they were like one of the – I thought that was part of their like we don't sell, I don't know, stuff over a certain rating or – They don't sell adult-only rated games. Okay. They sell rated M – Grand Theft Auto is rated M for Mature. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and I think that, that was part of the argument is so M for Mature, that's 17 and over, right? Correct. So I think Devin was – under 17 when he bought some of these right. games. And so, you know, that was part of the argument. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this is going to get real fun. Representing the families was Florida attorney slash activist Jack Thompson. Oh, boy. Do you know anything about Jack Mm-mm. Thompson? Oh, he's oh. a lunatic. No. But anyway, continue. Hey, don't spoil it. No spoilers. <laughs> so. This guy. He's a real-life Looney Tune. He he is, um, he's really something. So let's talk about him. He was a lawyer and anti-video game violence activist, but he was anti a lot of other things too, including being nice. So <laughs> this, I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories about him because I, there's a ton of stories you could tell. Um, but this one I think says so much. So let's see here. In 1988, he ran for state attorney against Janet Reno. And Mm -hmm. Janet Reno, of course, later became, I think she was the first female attorney general of Mm -hmm. the United States. So Jack Thompson was not a fan of Janet Reno. Uh Uh, He said she was way too liberal, blah, blah, blah. So they're running against each other. And one day before one of their debates, he passed her a note. Was it like folded up that is exactly how i imagine it yes (laughs) yes do you like me check yes or no okay it's so funny you say that let me tell you what this note said so you gave her a check check one note okay the note said i janet reno am a check one homosexual bisexual heterosexual (gasps) yeah what the what did she check then it said (laughs) (laughs) did she check anything (laughs) then it said if you do not respond by and then such and such date then you will be deemed to have checked one of the first two boxes oh my god that's like harassment um yeah he's a total douche oh my god so that's what he did so what do you think janet did norm you think she responded she probably not She probably, did she bring it to the attention of the media? She probably, yeah. Here's what she did. She went over to him, put her hand on his shoulder, and goes, I'm only attracted to virile men, which is why I'm not attracted to you. (laughs) Wow. Got him. But, now here's my favorite part. Guess what he does back? He sued her for battery. What? For putting her hand on him? Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. So he sues her for battery, 
And he goes on, I think it was like Nightline or some some news show, and he goes, she grabbed a hold of me and shook me. She didn't hurt me, but I was annoyed. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was annoyed. I was annoyed. I, I got really annoyed by she didn't hurt me because I feel like if you're trying to make a case. It's not battery then. Yeah. And Kristen annoys me a lot. I can't just sue her every time she annoys me, though. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> Take all my money. <laughs> I'm suing my wife. She annoyed me. No, but I just feel like he he wanted to make it clear that he was not harmed by a woman in any yes. way. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Janet Reno, of course, was like, um, I think this issue should be investigated. Go ahead and go ahead and figure out. Get to the bottom of it. Did mm-hmm. I did I do something wrong here? And of course they were like, uh, no, you didn't. Jack Thompson, we see you. This was clearly just a political ploy. Shut up forever. Shut up forever. <laughs> so Janet won the election. <sighs> How do you think Jack took that loss? Not well. No, not great. A few years later, Janet Reno was on the board of a nonprofit um, called Switchboard of Miami. And I think it's basically like a crisis hotline. Mm-hmm. You, know, you call in and they'll refer you to different social services programs. So Jack came out and said that the group was placing homosexual education tapes in schools. What? Yeah, this guy. Like homosexual education, like how to be a homosexual? I or, assume. Which or I like don't know. Educational what? tapes with a homosexual theme, like <laughs> Joey has two moms. Why I, does Joey have two moms? I like to think that it was just graphic porn. <laughs> yeah, just hardcore gay porn. <laughs> Let them know it's an educational. That's thing. what I hope it was. Oh, you know what God. I'm saying. <laughs> At this point, it was getting so ridiculous that the Florida Bar Association made him take a mental exam. I love that. But he passed. So then he went around and and bragged that he was the only certified sane lawyer in Florida. No, of course he did. That's that's good, good marketing. Yeah. So we're closing in on this time where he starts to get obsessed with video games. Mm -hmm. But it started with music. Sexy music. Sexy music. Okay, do you guys remember the song, Me So Horny? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I um, I listened to it a lot yesterday. <laughs> and that song gets, like, in your head. It's Yeah, because it's so, it's very repetitive. Yes. And I gotta say, it is stupid. <laughs> um, I copied down some of the lyrics. I'm like a dog in heat, a freak without warning. I have an appetite for sex because me so horny. <laughs> <laughs> so this was by Two Life Crew. Uh, Jack Thompson was not a fan. <laughs> and he said that their album violated obscenity laws. And I got to say, it was pretty gross. <laughs> he also went after Madonna and Ice-T. But then in 1997, he shifted his attention to video games. Because um, he wasn't getting any attention for his music lawsuits? I assume because they weren't successful. Yeah. He was getting a lot of attention. So people were just like, yeah, tell him to shut up, and now yeah, he's exactly. moving on to the next entertainment yeah. medium. Mm-hmm. And he saw he saw an opening for this. Um, in Kentucky in 1997, there was a school shooting. And during the investigation, they found that the killer played a lot of violent video games. So yep. mm-hmm. that kind of started this ball rolling. They did the same thing with Columbine, right? Columbine, yeah. yeah. They, yep. they played uh, Doom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Played a lot of Doom. Yeah. 
So Jack Thompson represented the victim's parents and sued a ton of different video game companies during that thing. Nintendo, Sega, Sony, amongst others. And his logic was these games convinced the killer to disregard human life. But the lawsuit got dismissed. But here's the thing. When they dismissed that lawsuit, the court didn't specifically say, hey, you can't do this because video games are protected by the First Amendment. So since they didn't say that, I guess the lesson there was kind of like, okay, find a new way to attack video games and your lawsuit might work Mm. next time. Left an opening for him. Yeah, yeah. So he kept trying, but his cases kept getting dismissed. Story of his life. Uh, Then the Devin Moore case comes up. The one I started talking about in the beginning with the triple murder. So this is reminding us. Yeah, Yeah, who's Devin (laughs) Yeah, what you know did you what? do? <laughs> I hate you both. This was the case I originally brought up. <laughs> you know what I hate about you guys? You're both very similar. And so... <laughs> Let like me remind you who Devin was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, why don't you burp into the mic? <laughs> so anyway, Devin Moore, who I spoke about in the beginning... <laughs> Oh, yes, Devin. So Jack Thompson is all in on this $600 million civil suit. He's I very bet. excited. Yeah. So he goes on 60 Minutes. And I'm oh, gonna, my God. I'm going to read a quote because this is the quotes from this guy. Pure gold. <laughs> Here's what he told 60 Minutes. What we're saying is Devin Moore was, in effect, trained to do what he did. He was given a murder simulator. He bought it as a minor. He played hundreds of hours, which is primarily a cop-killing game. It's our theory that we think we can prove to a jury in Alabama that but for the video game training, he would not have done what he did. Brandy is laughing at but for. She's holding it I, in. I, <laughs> I put so much emphasis but on but for. for. Yeah, I thought that was a weird... Wait, uh, so I'm the, I'm the bad guy Yeah, here? but the way, you, the way you said it was but, but for. You're like... But four. <laughs> but see, you've got to put the emphasis on it because then it'll sound weird, right? No, you, just, you just say but four. <laughs> but four. But you're like, but four. <laughs> We're never having a guest on this podcast again. Guess not. Okay, so anyway, then he said, the video game industry gave him a cranial menu that popped up in the blink of the eye, in a blink, oh shit. <laughs> The video game industry gave him a cranial menu that popped up in the blink of an eye in that police station, and that menu offered him the split-second decision to kill the officers, shoot them in the head, flee in the police car, just as the game itself had trained him to do. Mm. So, Norman, I've got a question for you. All right. He calls Grand Theft Auto primarily a cop-killing game. Yeah. Is it? No, yeah, not that's, at all. That's my impression, too. Like, that's Can you do it in the game? Yes. Are there consequences for doing it? Yes, there are. But the primary goal of Grand Theft Auto is not to kill cops. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what struck me, Yeah, amongst other things about this quote, is it just seems like total bullshit. What really yeah. struck me was it's, the it's almost, <laughs> it, You could make the same argument that Super Mario Brothers is a turtle-killing game. right. You can stomp on Koopa Troopa turtles in Super Mario Brothers. Is that why I'm always killing turtles? <laughs> I see dead turtles everywhere around this house. You have been trained. 
You've been trained <laughs> by Super Mario machine. World. It's a murder to stomp simulator. On turtles. Is what it is. It, it is. Oh my gosh. And it's also why I'm always eating mushrooms. <laughs> by the way, um, I think PETA had a huge no. campaign against Mario for for that reason. Not 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 just killing turtles, but like he wears the Tanuki suit and they're like Mario wears fur. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, well we can talk about that later. Continue with uh Lo- Looney Bin, okay. Bugs Bunny, the lawyer. <laughs> um it, it gets even worse from here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this guy's nuts. So they have the sixty minutes episode, but that was not enough attention. So he starts churning out press releases. And they were fucking nuts. In one, he pointed out that in some areas of Japan, you can't sell Grand Theft Auto to minors. But that Sony has no problem, and I'm quoting here, dumping this garbage into American kids' brains. Oh, God. (laughs) He called it Pearl Harbor 2. Holy shit. Um, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) really fun <laughs> Pearl Harbor 2 can you fucking believe that so he based so he because he blamed Sony Sony is a Japanese company he was like oh yeah, so my let's, god let's that's dive horrible. into that I mean it's it's stupid for so many reasons one of them it's like okay yeah in certain areas of Japan they won't allow that game to be sold to minors Sony a Japanese company sells the game in the United States those two things are not related in any way it's no. like he's acting like Something that happens in Japan and a company that's based in Japan, they're all the same. Right. Yeah, that's... And he's also under the assumption that Sony is somehow involved in the development of Grand Theft Auto, which is not true. Right. Hmm. It's developed by Rockstar, and it was published by Take-Two. It was licensed to Sony for their console, but it's not like Sony was actively marketing Grand Theft Auto. Right. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's stupid on it's so dumb. many reasons. It, it seems like he understands about half of what is going on, which is the Kristen Pitt story. <laughs> <laughs> so um, people were pretty offended by that Pearl Harbor 2 electric boogaloo uh, comment. Yes. So Why Jeff, did he add electric boogaloo on <laughs> I don't know. I guess he thought more people would pay attention. Uh, yeah. So Jack apologized. Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, I was, yeah. <laughs> no, he doubled down. So someone from the media called him up and was like, hey, dude. Um, about that comment. About that Pearl Harbor thing. And he doubled down. And he was like, no, they dump pornography and violent video games into our country. And he called it a, quote, slow motion version of Pearl Harbor. Holy shit. So obviously the video game industry was like, this guy is nuts. You can't trust him. Um, Jack actually brought that up in his press release and he was like, take two interactive is quote, the most reckless video game company in the world. He said that them accusing him of being unethical was like, quote, a nuclear bomb calling a cap gun explosive. So, wow. Yeah. (laughs) The lawyer for Sony and take two went to the judge in the case and was like, please take this douchebag off the case. Um, Just dismiss the case in general. Well, they wanted that, too. But he was like, (laughs) this Jack guy is going to turn the courtroom into a circus. Mm -hmm. Please stop this. Jack tried to fight back, but eventually he, like, swooped in heroically and was like, you know what? 
this case is not about me. This is about the victim's families, and I don't want to insert myself. I'm going to withdraw myself from this mm-hmm. case. And then a hero comes along <laughs> with the strength to carry, carry on. on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the judge was like, um, no, you can't withdraw from this case because I'm kicking you off this case. <laughs> That judge wrote an 18-page letter criticizing Jack's behavior and then temporarily barred him from practicing law in Alabama. Wow. So there was a lot of back and forth after this, but you get the gist. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack's a bucket of sunshine, and the judge is like, we've had enough sunshine. Yeah. Goodbye. It's a little hard to figure out exactly what happened from here on out, mostly because once Jack was gone, the media circus kind of died down. (laughs) But uh, what is clear is that the video game makers moved to dismiss the case. They were like, look, at the time of the sale, it wasn't illegal to sell these games to minors. And they really wanted to argue, like, this is protected by the First Amendment. Come on, come on. And the judge was like, no, we're not going to dismiss this case. Mm -hmm. Um, there's still some stuff to be decided here. That decision went all the way to the Alabama Supreme Court, and the court affirmed the lower court's decision, we're not going to dismiss, on these grounds that you're bringing up. I did find an article um, by Kotaku that said that eventually this case was dismissed, but it was on the grounds that Jack failed to file several key documents correctly. So, wrapping up here, where are they now? Devin Moore appealed the death penalty decision, but they upheld it in a 5-0 to zero vote. He is currently on death row. Jack Thompson is permanently disbarred in the state of Florida. <laughs> yeah. Video games, thanks to a 2011 Supreme Court decision, are protected speech under the First Amendment just like basically any other form of media. Yeah. Um, in the decision, Antonin Scalia wrote, like the protected books, plays, and movies that preceded them, video games communicate ideas and even social messages through many familiar literary devices, such as characters, dialogue, plot, and music, and through features distinctive to the medium, such as the player's interaction with the virtual world. That suffices to confer First Amendment protection. But for... <laughs> No, he didn't add that. But four. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm curious about your guys' thought on did Grand Theft Auto make him do it? No. 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 Yeah. No. To me, it's like, it sounds like he had an exceptionally rough childhood. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to me, like, do violent images play a role or desensitize you in some way? I can see maybe that. Um, but I don't see that being like the tipping point for murdering three people. No, I agree. Millions of people play Grand Theft Auto. And uh, it's not like there's millions of people running around murdering people and be like, well, I play Grand Theft Auto. Well, Caused me to do it. And to be fair, that's not what his argue, his lawyer argued. His ar- his lawyer argued it was the PTSD, it was the childhood plus the video games. So, I, yeah, I, were- I agree that he probably had some has some mental issues. I, yeah, I yeah, think so. but, but I, they were probably present without the game. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. of course, yeah, if if you have mental issues, maybe combining that with a violent video game, maybe you don't fully understand that it is just a video game. 
but whoa did you just change sides no no i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying like people with mental health issues yeah uh shouldn't play video games no. you heard it here first <laughs> the gaming story like um people that suffer from i know i know I've talked to people that suffer from anxiety. They can't play games where you're like jumping very high in the air on mm-hmm. platforms because it gives them anxiety mm-hmm. that oh I'm gonna fall and that scares me. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe there's but a that doesn't make there. them do anything. It doesn't in real make life. them be like yeah. It doesn't make them do anything in real life. Okay. So listen, I just I just look back on my own life and I'm like, hey, I'm I've played a lot of violent video games. I'm okay. But but. But Brandy and I were talking about this last week. We were talking about that episode of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay, so I guess, spoiler alert, but this is several seasons back. So if you're this far behind, then I don't know. It's your own fucking fault. Yeah. So do you remember when we watched the episode of The Walking Dead where Negan comes out and Negan murders Glenn? Fucking bashes his head. Yeah, in. yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was horrified by that i was super effective uh, effective super (laughs) affected i was shaking i just like i could not get that out of my head for days and i remember talking to you about it and you started laughing you were like man i guess i have just played too many video games because that did not affect me at all that's true because you know i've seen worse stuff in video games and in movies and stuff and i was just like yeah i didn't i didn't think about it for days yeah to me i was just like ooh, that's and That's my violent. mom, who has, doesn't play video games at all, quit watching the show over that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was absolutely horrifying. Yeah. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to me, I was like, I was like, oh, no, Glenn's dead. But I didn't like I didn't like think about how he died at all. <laughs> see, So I wonder if maybe it there does has to be like some decent. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I could see that. Definitely. That also explains why you keep bashing people's heads in. <laughs> Yeah. Mystery solved. He's got eyeballs popping out all over the place. Oh, God. So gross. Yeah. I definitely think um, it's worth studying more because I feel like there's no conclusive evidence either way. Uh Uh-huh. So. I think it's interesting what this says about us because our cases are very similar. Really? Yes. Okay. And mine has nothing to do with violence at all. Okay, I'm excited. For yeah, yours. I'm ready. Let's let's take a little break from the violence. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm Can gonna you throw in a stabbing though. Yeah. Just for I fun. just really like stabbing. And then Mario <laughs> stabbed Luigi. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so my case is about um, Atari Games versus Nintendo. This was a big lawsuit in the late '80s, early '90s. This was when Nintendo was dominating the video game industry. After it had been proclaimed dead. Okay. The and video game industry had been proclaimed dead? Yes. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to take you back to the early 80s. Let's go back to 1982, 1983. Okay. This is when uh, Atari was like the number one video game company. Atari 2600, you know, like Pong and, uh, you know, Pac-Man, uh, Yars Revenge, all these E.T., all these were like really popular uh, Atari games. Pac-Man's an Atari game? They ported it to the Atari. It's not an Atari game, but okay. Atari had a version of Pac-Man that sold a ton of copies. Um, so the video game industry was this big, it was a very new entertainment medium. Mm-hmm. And so everybody wanted to cash in on it. So Atari was number one, but then you had uh, 
the ColecoVision. You had the Mattel had a video game system called the Intellivision. You had the uh, Fairchild Channel F. Radio Shack had a Pong clone. Uh, Sears had a freaking video game system, the department <laughs> store. Uh, so you had all these video game systems, and there was no like company regulation mm-hmm. over it. So like, um, Purina Dog Chow made a video game. What? No. No. It, it was like a mail-in. Did you get it free with your dog? If you bought, <laughs> yeah, if you like mailed, mailed in rebates of your dog chow, you, it was called Chase the Chuck Wagon. Oh my god! Which is part of their marketing yeah. where like the, yeah. little, the little Chuck Wagon yeah. goes and the dog follows it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a game about like cleaning your teeth by some like dental organization, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. So all these, just games everywhere. Yeah. No regulation on if they're good or not. Yeah. So tons of consoles, tons of games. And basically, consumers got burnt out by it. Mm-hmm. There's just too much. We don't know what's good. We don't know what's bad. Um, the personal computer is, comes out. And uh, they're pretty competitively priced. So they're like, why would you buy a video game system when I can buy a computer and I can do all this extra stuff? Right. So the video game industry in 1983 in North America, it crashes. Um, so games that were like $40 are now like 4 bucks. Wow. Uh, consoles that were $150 are like 30 bucks now like every and atari loses a ton of money uh by the end of 1983 they lose 539 million dollars oh my god oh my god um they lay off 700 employees in 1984 so basically atari is owned by warner communications which is a massive you know entertainment Mm -hmm. conglomerate uh and the president of warner steve ross he's like okay video games are dead uh, let's pull the plug. So he splits Atari into two. So he splits Atari into the Atari Corporation and then Atari Games. So Atari Corporation um, handles consumer products, personal computers, video game consoles, and Atari Games handles software, the arcade games. Mm-hmm. So basically hardware and software. Yeah. So he's like, we're going to split the company and we're going to sell them to the highest bidder because we want to make the most money. Um the Commodore Computer Company, which was a very popular computer mm-hmm. in the 80s, uh, they buy the Atari Corporation. So uh, they get access to all of Atari. Did you know Atari made personal computers? I did not. 80s? No. Yes. So Atari made personal computers. Did you know that, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just like that he called us ladies. <laughs> I didn't I say think ladies. He said oh, in the eighties. Oh, I thought he said ladies. Now, ladies, did you know? I thought it was so weird. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard him say hey, that. Hey, ladies, did you know? <laughs> That's why I started Game of Historian to pick up women. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to work it out. Um, the the oh, he's not wanting to uh, answer that question. No. This is somewhat of a long story, so I want to I wanna get through it. That's Aww, all. Keep oh. fucking moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No time to talk about his conquests. So many it's ladies. It's not because there weren't any. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, we know there was one. <laughs> you were it. She's in this room. She's here. <laughs> Talking into the mic. So... The founder of Commodore, Jack Trammell, he buys the Atari Corporation. He's not interested in video games, mm-hmm. uh, so he just buys the Atari Corporation, even though he could have bought Atari games for, like, nothing. But he's like, ah, video games are a dead fed. Why would I buy yeah. this? 
So Atari Games is sold to a Japanese company uh, called Namco. You familiar with Namco? No. They developed Pac-Man. Oh, okay. They developed Galaga. Mm-hmm. So some pretty popular uh, games back then. Still popular today, actually. So Masaya Nakamura, who is the owner of Namco, he buys Atari games uh, for $10 million. Mm-hmm. So suddenly he has the rights to all of these classic Atari licenses and arcade games. It was actually a good move because the video game crash happened only in North America. In Japan, video games were still yeah. booming. Big, yeah. uh, Masaya Nakamura gives Atari games to his underling named Hideyuki Nakajima. He previously ran Atari of Japan. Mm. Okay. So he has a connection here. Mm-hmm. So back in the 70s, he was put in charge of Atari Japan. Uh, but they, Atari Japan was basically a huge failure. Um, they did not make a lot of money. Employees were stealing from them. Uh, it was a huge disaster. So Atari Japan was sold to Namco. And then Namco buys Atari games like 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Whoa, weird. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Nakajima says, okay, we need to make Atari games profitable again. So he lays off some people. He freezes all uh, ra- employee raises. And uh, the other thing is he wants to get into video games again. But, as I said earlier, you know, Atari was split in two the Atari Corporation that was given to Commodore, they owned the consumer portion of Atari. So Atari games couldn't just like make video games and say, these are Atari games. So they made a subsidiary called Tengen. Okay. So they sold video games under this company called Tengen. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, at this point, it is 1987. Sorry, 1986. It's a good year. Great year. <laughs> I was born that year. <laughs> Do we have 85, 86, 87? Yeah, yeah I'm 87. Yeah. Okay. So. Explains why I'm so much more mature than you guys. <laughs> explains why I say butt for and you guys just giggle. So Hideyuki Nakajima. <laughs> What? So this dude running Atari games slash Tengen mm-hmm. wants to get into video games. And in 1986, the Nintendo Entertainment System is the number one selling video game console in North America. Nintendo brought over the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985, where everyone thought video games were dead because of that huge crash. And they revitalized the industry basically on their own. So everyone wanted a Nintendo Entertainment System. Video games were back. So Atari Games wants to sell games on the Nintendo Entertainment System uh, under Tengen. But Nintendo has very strict licensing policies. You know, they didn't want to make the same mistakes that Atari did. They didn't want a cat food company making a Nintendo game. Yeah. So you have to get permission from Nintendo to make a game on their console. And they had some really strict... Uh, demands. So some of their demands were like uh, a company can only make five games a year because they didn't want to overload the market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You have to buy the cartridges from Nintendo. Mm -hmm. A minimum order of 10,000 cartridges. Wow. So 
Now, was that just to make money or? It was kind of both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nintendo okay. controls the product and they make money from the companies that want to make games for mm-hmm. their system. Sure. When, you, when you're the number one uh, video game company and you have like 90% market share, you can kind of do whatever you want. You get to make the rules. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nintendo also had very strict uh, censorship. So you, could, you, ha- you couldn't have blood in your game. You couldn't have religious symbols in your game because they wanted to make it family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing Nintendo did was they had some uh, lockout technology. So to prevent these random companies from making games for their system, they put in a lockout chip in the Nintendo Entertainment System. So how it worked was there was a lockout chip in the Nintendo, and then there was a lockout chip in the game cartridge. And when those chips communicated, it let the game play. Okay. So mm. if some random company made a game... And they wouldn't include that chip, so the game They wouldn't would include play. the chip, right. Yeah. So the chip... And the program that communicated with those chips was copyrighted. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That's pretty smart. That is really smart. Yeah. I will say that some companies did find ways around some of their licensing things. So, you know, the um, you can only make five games a year deal. Would they create like a new company? They would create a subsidiary and be like, oh, we're not, uh, we're not Konami. We are now, we have another company called Ultra. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of fun fun little subsidiaries back then, so they can make more games. So Nakajima, the head of Tengen, mm-hmm. does not like this licensing agreement, and he goes to Nintendo President Minoru Arakawa, and he goes, "Hey, we're Atari Games. We were like yeah, a we're big legit. deal back then. We're, we're Atari. Let give us a better licensing deal. We want to make games for the Nintendo." Uh, but Nintendo of America says, no, we have to treat everybody the same. It's not fair if we give people special treatment. So uh, Atari Games is like, well, all right, we'll, we'll become a Nintendo licensee. And they release three games as an official licensee. So they release Gauntlet, Pac-Man, and RBI Baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that happens is Nakajima and... Nintendo of America president Minoru Arakawa, they become friends and they hang out a lot together and they go to dinner together. Mm-hmm. They play golf. And uh, Minoru Arakawa noticed that Nakajima kept asking him questions like, hey, how does uh, how much money do you make on this licensing? Like, how do you control retailers? Blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of insider mm-hmm. information. Well, behind closed doors, Atari Games, again, they don't like this licensing deal. Mm-hmm. They are trying to find a way to get around the lockout chip mm-hmm. in the in the Nintendo console. Oh shit! Was this a fake friendship? <laughs> a May, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. So they there's engineers at Atari that are trying to get around this lockout chip. That's the number one reason they they can't go rogue and go on their own. This lockout chip is preventing them. Gotcha. So they try to reverse engineer it. And uh, it's not working. Uh, one of the COOs of Atari Games hated this licensing program Nintendo had. He said, the way Nintendo did business was like Ford introducing a car that could only use Ford gasoline. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can imagine yeah. having a Ford car, you had to go to a Ford store and get your gas. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Atari Games wants to go rogue. Their lawyers read over the licensing agreement. The only way you can make games for the NES uh, 
legally getting around the licensing agreement is you have to be able to get around that lockout chip. Um, they can't reverse engineer it. They've given up. They know the program is copyrighted, so they come up with a plan. So there is no legal way to go around the lockout chip then? If you reverse engineer the lockout chip legally, you can. Oh, so you just have to be smart enough. Right. Okay. The program's copyrighted. They can't crack the code. So they go to the copyright office. And, well, here's the deal with copyrighted material. You can go and look at copyrighted material. You can look at it. But you can't take pictures of it. You can't take notes on it. You can just look at it. There's one one exception to that rule, though. If you, um, if the material is the subject of litigation, you can take pictures and take notes. Oh my gosh! Because so, it's part of like the discovery process, yeah. right? right? Okay. So lawyers for Atari Games go to the copyright office and they lie and they say we're being sued by Nintendo. We need a copy of the lockout oh, chip program. Shit. So they just they walk in and they get it. Oh my gosh. So they they take That is so messed up. That is. Yeah, they just they just lied. So all of a sudden they have the program and they make a clone of the lockout chip and they name their clone the rabbit. That's the code name, rabbit chip. So they put it in their in their, you know, unlicensed game and it works. And so they have found a way around the licensing agreement. Wow. So when you started this, I thought they were going to send some guy with a great memory in there. And just <laughs> exactly yes. yeah. <laughs> now that'd be an idea. Yeah, the photographic yeah. memory. So they have a way around the lockout chip. They haven't done anything with it yet, though. So now we're in 1988 and there is an industry wide chip shortage. All electronics. There's a chip shortage. Mm-hmm. There's just so many new electronics coming out and there's just not enough chips to go around. That includes video games. So because Nintendo controls all the manufacturing, uh, they can basically tell companies, we're only going to make X amount of your game because we don't have enough chips. Mm -hmm. And so this pisses off Atari games even more because they're like, you're preventing us from making money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they decide uh, in December of 1988 to sue Nintendo for antitrust violations and unfair competition for $100 million. Oh, Jesus. At the very same time they do this, they release their unlicensed games to retail stores. Oh, my God. Wow. So Was that like a, like, look over here at this yeah, thing, and I'm going yeah. to slide yeah, out basically. <laughs> or it could have just been like a one-two punch, like, yeah. and here's a lawsuit, and here's our unlicensed games. <laughs> Okay. Wow. So you all know what a, a wow. Nintendo cartridge looks like. It's yeah. the gray yeah. cartridge. Yeah. Uh, well, the Tengen cartridges looked very similar, but they were completely black. Mm-hmm. And it said, uh, you know, Tengen on it. And it had a little seal of approval, like the Tengen seal of approval. Mm-hmm. So kind of like the Nintendo. Yeah, kind of yeah. like the Nintendo seal of approval. It is the Tengen. Those, these were the very first unlicensed games on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Because Nintendo, again, was super... They didn't want another video game crash, so they wanted to control everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was the very first crop of unlicensed games. And they were actually pretty good. Tengen put out some pretty good games on the Nintendo Entertainment System. It'd be a shame if they didn't after all that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, One of my favorites is Rolling Thunder. Great arcade game that was ported to the NES. And again, here's another interesting thing. Um... Sega 
Nintendo's big rival mm-hmm. back in the day. Sega licensed some of their games to Tengen, so there are some Sega games wow. you can play on the Nintendo Entertainment System, wow. like Afterburner. Wow. Uh, which is really weird to think about. Um, so Nintendo finds out about this lawsuit at their 1988 Christmas party. Oh. <laughs> at the party. <laughs> they get a call that they're being sued by Atari Games. Oh, jeez. Uh, so they contact Nintendo of Japan, who is, you know, daddy, basically. <laughs> you just had yeah. to work out a way to say daddy. <laughs> I, had to, I had to find a way to say daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo's main headquarters are in Japan. Uh, so their president, Hiroshi Yamauchi, um, says... <laughs> daddy. <laughs> Big daddy Yamauchi <laughs> says to Nintendo of America, uh, you need to stomp this in the butt right now. Into the butt four. Stomp the butt four right now. Okay. He's like, we are not going to have another video game crash. You need to get rid of these unlicensed games Mm -hmm. and, you know, crush them like the little buggies they are. Make daddy happy. Ew. Okay. You know, it's funny. We we were on board with everything until make daddy happy. Okay. That is the grossest so, thing you've ever said. So Nakajima and Arakawa, you know, they were best buds. They golfed together. Yeah. Dinner mm-hmm. together. They meet to discuss the lawsuit. Whoa. And Nakajima says, look, um, I'll withdraw the lawsuit. Just let us make our own games. Let us manufacture our games. Mm. And uh, Nintendo of America is like, no. <laughs> no way. I don't blame them. No, I don't either. Yeah, you don't get to sue me and then do yeah. this other shady thing. Yeah, no. no. So um, Atari Games goes to the media and says Nintendo is purposely creating a chip shortage in order to keep prices high and control the retail market. Which, mm-hmm. that's not true, is it's it? It's not true. There was yeah. an industry-wide chip shortage. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo denied the claim and said it was absolute nonsense. Uh, Nintendo Vice President Howard Lincoln was like, I am going to destroy Atari games. He started off as their as their lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he was a badass lawyer. He's a really good lawyer. Vietnam veteran, great lawyer. Later would run the Seattle Mariners. That's a whole other story. All right. um, he said it was a total betrayal on Atari games' part. Because you know they had that initial licensing mm-hmm. agreement, and they even released games. And now they were suing and releasing unlicensed games. Mm-hmm. So he goes... You have no idea what you have taken on. A tiger who will skin you piece by piece. Damn. He's mad. Okay. <laughs> so Nintendo in February of 1989, so two months later, Nintendo countersues Atari Games. Yeah. And says they entered the licensing deal fraudulently. They got technical support. They got detailed information about retailers. And they only entered the licensing agreement so they could make their unlicensed mm-hmm. games. Yep. Um... And they sued Tengen for the unauthorized and unsupported games on the NES and patent infringement on their lockout chip Mm -hmm. because they're like, how the hell is this working? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, they found out, they went to the copyright office Mm -hmm. and were like, we're being sued, which was a complete lie. How did they find out? Do you know? It doesn't say. Okay. But they, they found out. Yeah. Um. So they took all of these allegations and countersuits and they just put it into one case. Um, and actually, the media was rooting for Atari games, believe it or not. Why? Because well, this, this was American media, right? This is the American media. And Atari had been an American company, right? It was really, it was really more about creating a more open industry. 
They said oh, if Atari... Well, because then you could have more games, cheaper games. Right. Okay. Right. Um, you know, Dennis Lynch from the Chicago Tribune had a quote. He said, if the makers of hardware had veto power over what software gets made, consumers would suffer. Fewer programs would be available, and they would certainly cost more. So, so he's he's at, what I exactly said. More exactly. games, cheaper yes. games. Yes, Brandy was on point. <laughs> and way more concise. Yeah. Which, which is a fair point, but I also see Nintendo's side of you don't want things to go crazy and you have another video game crash where you know people are making all this crazy right. stuff for your system. I think that's, that's kind of the point for me is I feel like you can't really compare it to just any other industry unless there was a similar crash in that industry. Mm-hmm. You really, like somewhere in the middle is where this needs to land, where yeah. you can have more games, cheaper games, but the quality of those games is kept intact. Yeah. And it, it definitely is that way today. Mm-hmm. There's a nice little medium. Yeah. Uh, but back then, Nintendo was super strict. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Nintendo employs a strategy of intimidation outside the courtroom. So they go to all these retailers, and they're like, yo, if you're selling Tengen products, we're going to cut you off wow. from Ooh. our Nintendo stuff. Wow. And some of these retailers... Uh, 50% of their sales were Nintendo. Well, I was yeah, going to say, that's going to make up a making, much larger yeah. percentage of their sales. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's too risky. A lot of retailers, they're like, okay, it's too risky to sell these Atari games. Yeah, totally not worth it. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, Toys R Us, Walmart, Target, and Circus World. Don't know if you remember Circus World. Not at all. Old, old toy World. store. <laughs> uh, they all stopped selling the Tengen games because Nintendo basically threatened them. Wow. Uh, well, Atari Games goes to the court and they say, Nintendo's threatening our customers. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, so the Judge Fern Smith, uh, who's overseen all the entire case, says, yeah, you can't interfere with each other's customers. So... Mm-hmm. Atari Games is still allowed to sell their unlicensed games, and Nintendo can't threaten retailers. Okay. Uh, Despite all of this going on, uh, Atari Games was making a lot of money on their unlicensed games. Uh, Their sales were up by 40% thanks to this. So they were having a good old time. Yeah. Um, But now comes the actual court case. So it all boils down to that rabbit chip that mm-hmm. Tengen made. And the the question was, was it an, was it an exact copy of the, the lockout chip that Nintendo made? Like, could they prove that they actually stole it from the copyright office? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Atari Games argued that uh, the only reason they took the documents from the copyright office was because it was crazy to think that someone could... Uh, reverse engineer a chip just by like like you said having a good memory and like memorizing right <laughs> because reverse engineering is fair use that has been determined to be fair use okay if you want to reverse engineer an electronic device okay um they felt they were entitled to self-help <laughs> okay and they also claimed the documents they took weren't important anyway because they had already reverse engineered Then shit. why did you need them? Yeah, exactly. That's what Judge Fern Smith yeah. thought. Yeah. That here here was here was the uh here was the killer though. So the copyright on Nintendo's chip was dated 1985. But in 1987, they actually updated the chip. So they deleted some unnecessary code in the chip in mm-hmm. 1987. Mm-hmm. 
but the copyright was from 1985. The Tengen Rabbit chip had code from the 1985 version. So that proved they didn't oh, reverse engineer the chip. Yep. That they just blatantly, they blatantly yep. took the copyright. Wow. Um, Nintendo also, when they made the 10 NES chip, they purposely added garbage code to it that doesn't do anything. It's just simply there to prove if somebody yeah, copies yeah. it. You oh, know. that's so smart. Well, the rabbit chip had the garbage code. Uh-huh. Yes. So it was very clear to Judge Fern Smith that the rabbit chip uh, was a direct copy of the 10 NES lockout chip, and she ordered Atari Games to immediately cease producing, distributing, and selling their unlicensed Nintendo games. And they had to recall all their product currently on store shelves. And she also criticized the company for their actions. Yeah. Yeah. So they got a little got a little talking to in court. Like a finger wagon. <laughs> Atari Games would appeal, and they said, look, if you shut down Tengen, uh, we're going to have to lay off all of our employees. It'll be a huge financial impact. And uh, Judge Fern Smith was like, she actually agreed with them. She what? said it would be a huge financial burden on them. So wow. they remained on store shelves for a little bit longer. And finally, and Atari Games appealed, of course. In 1992, it went to the U.S. Court of Appeals in Washington, D.C., and they finally ruled that they had to cease production on all those games. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is so ridiculous. Yeah. So the, the appeals court agreed with Judge Fern Smith's original decision. Atari Games had stolen the code. They ordered them to stop making and selling their unauthorized game cartridges. So after four years of litigation, it was finally over. But uh, while all this was happening, Atari Games made a deal with Sega to make games for their console, the mm-hmm. Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. which was new and upcoming. Yeah. And they actually had a licensing deal with Sega. They didn't make unlicensed games mm-hmm. for them. Sega had a, ver- nice of them. had a very favorable licensing deal as mm-hmm. opposed to Nintendo. Um, the problem was this whole legal battle really opened up other legal battles with Nintendo. So do you remember when Commodore bought Atari Corporation? Like back when Atari was split in two? Yeah, yeah. So Jack Trammell, who bought them, he also sues Nintendo for $250 million for antitrust violations. Wow. Okay. He claimed that Nintendo's practice of console exclusivity for two years prevented Atari from getting good games. So here's what happens. Uh, Jack Trammell, you know know how I was like, he wasn't interested in video games? Uh Well, then Nintendo comes, the video game industry booms Booms. again. He wants back in. Oh, wait, no, I want in. He wants in. Let me back in the pool. (laughs) He goes to these companies, and he's like, hey, will you make games for our system? Uh And they're like, no, we have a deal with Nintendo. And it's a two-year exclusivity deal. Yeah. So if a company makes uh, a game on the Nintendo Entertainment System, you, they can't make it for another system for two years, wow. which is crazy. Um, God, crazy Nintendo good deal for Nintendo. So smart. <laughs> yeah. But the case is ultimately dismissed, uh-huh. um, and Atari never really gets back into the video game industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this also opens up the Federal Trade Commission to investigate Nintendo. Because they get, they're getting so many antitrust mm-hmm. lawsuits. So they, Representative Dennis Eckhart of Ohio, he urges the Justice Department to look into Nintendo 
for unreasonable tactics to restrain competitors. So this leads to an investigation by the FTC. The FTC and, and Nintendo decide to settle, <laughs> which was good news for Nintendo. They had to... Um, well, they didn't have to, but their their agreement was... Nintendo was like, okay, well, maybe we were kind of, like, monopolistic. Mm -hmm. So we're going to send out coupons to anyone that bought a Nintendo product between 1988 and 1990. Wait, is this the Today in History? Yeah. Okay, as part of that agreement, Nintendo admitted no wrongdoing. Nintendo admits no wrongdoing, Mm -hmm. which is true. Um Way to get him, Kristen. <laughs> well, I, like I, that's, well, I well, thought it was such a crazy good deal for Nintendo internally. They no wrong. Internally, they knew. Well, of course they yes. did. Deep I mean, down I inside, Kristen, yeah. deep down they, they knew. knew. Well, anytime you're giving up to twenty five <laughs> yes. million dollars in rebates, yeah. you know you did something. Well, the shitty. crazy thing is they send their they send out five dollar coupons. Yeah. To people that bought Nintendo products from 1988 to 1990. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like, well, we if you bought a product, you get five dollars off your next Nintendo uh-huh. purchase. So yeah. they basically made more yeah, money. No it. kidding. <laughs> but they also, um, before all this, uh, Nintendo basically set the prices for their games, mm-hmm. consoles, accessories, anything. And if stores didn't sell them at that price, Nintendo like threatened them. Mm-hmm. Well, after the FTC investigated, Nintendo told retailers, you can sell our products at whatever price you want, which makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. suggested retail yeah, price. Basically, they, suggested. Nintendo didn't want people to think their product was cheapened. Mm-hmm. So if Toys R Us was like, we're having a blowout deal on the Nintendo Entertainment System, yeah, it, it might make Nintendo look bad. What did the Nintendo Entertainment System originally retail for? The suggested retail price was one fifty nine ninety nine, uh-huh. which in today, for adjusted for inflation, it's about three hundred and twenty dollars. Okay, so fairly expensive. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. for what it was. Yeah. Um. So let's let's uh, wrap this up in a little little nice little bow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in Japan. Namco, who remember bought Atari games mm-hmm. way back when, mm-hmm. they had a nice little licensing deal with Nintendo in in Japan only. Mm-hmm. This is when Nintendo first released their console, and so they wanted people to make games for their system. So Namco had a exclusive licensing deal with Nintendo, which gave them very favorable treatment. Well, they had to renew their license. Um, so Namco's president, Masaya Nakamura... He meets with Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamauchi, and he's like, hey, let's get a new new deal going. Yeah. Well, after all this went down, you know, Yamauchi was pissed about what uh, Atari yeah. Games did. Yeah. So he's like, no, you don't get a favorable licensing no, deal. You have to not. do what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. So Masaya Nakamura of Namco is super pissed. So he calls out Nintendo publicly for their monopolistic practices. And then he declares that we're not going to make games for Nintendo anymore. We're going to make games for the Sega Genesis. Mm. So that happened. (laughs) And then um, Atari Games continues to make games for the Sega Genesis. In 1994, Time Warner uh, purchases... Sorry, Time Warner, what you know, Warner Communications. Right. Time Warner still owned a share of Atari games. They basically fold the company 
into a new company they call Time Warner Interactive. Mm. So Atari Games is no more. Tengen is no more. Hideyuki Nakajima uh, battles lung cancer and passes away in 1994. Mm. Um, But, you know, a lot of people see him as like, Nintendo obviously saw him as a bad guy, but his him bringing this, you know, battle up really, really ended Nintendo's crazy licensing policies right. and yeah, monopolistic right. practices. So you could argue that what he did was uh, a good thing. Yeah, did, there's not just one way to look at did it. Did he and the Nintendo guy stay friends? Minota Arakawa? Probably not. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine they went golfing after that. Yeah. So that is my case. Atari games versus Nintendo. It, it, it the the whole stealing the oh, stealing the, the program. Yeah, or we're being sued. We need a copy. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty so crazy. And actually, the copyright yeah. office changed their policy after this. Well, yeah, you can't just come in and say yeah. you're being sued. Right. So they now you have to present proof you're being sued. Well, imagine you can't that. just walk in. <laughs> yeah, you what can't. Crazy <laughs> you can't just walk in and be like, "I'm being sued. I need access to every copyrighted material." Man. The 80s. Oh, God. Crazy that was stuff. really good. I thought that was super interesting. It was good. And I loved that Nintendo put garbage code. I it, know. Yeah, it's like so that smart. whole Paper Towns thing. Like, um, old cartographers, so map makers, uh-huh. would put in these fake towns yes. on maps. And then that is how they knew if somebody copied their map. If that mm-hmm. fake town then appeared yep. on another map, that was yep. proof that that person had copied their map. Yep. Still, still a practice today in most most programming. Yeah, programmers will usually put in like comments or or just code that doesn't do anything. All right, we're ready to get back in this. Let's do it, Brandy's case. Okay, so of course, you know we have this this episode. We're gonna have a guest on. We need a video game themed case, and I of course had to find one that involved murder because, as previously mentioned, I'm a psychopath. So, <laughs> I like how Norman and I didn't try to correct you or no. anything. We're like, well, there you go. Okay. In October of 2007, Daniel Petrick was a 16-year-old boy living with his parents, Susan and Mark, in Wellington, Ohio. Mark Petrick was a minister at the New Life Assembly of God in Wellington, and as such, he objected to Daniel playing video games with violent themes and adult ratings. Okay. So a religious family? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would imagine. Very good, Norm. Very yeah. good. <laughs> okay. Um, so even though his parents objected to these games, Daniel would play them at his friend's house, and he was oh, even known to naughty, sneak. Naughty, naughty Daniel. <laughs> yeah, naughty. So he even was caught multiple times sneaking out of his house at night to go buy these games that he liked and then sneak them back in the wow. house. He was okay. caught multiple times. Multiple doing times this? doing this. Good grief. Um, Mark, his father, would later testify that um, Daniel did this multiple times and when he would discover the games, he would destroy them. Oh. So, okay, this next part, this is <laughs> this next part, we're just fucking barely into this thing and I'm gonna be like, well, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this timeline here's a little bit confusing. There's not that much information available about this case, but okay. Um, so sometime in late 2006 or early 2007, Daniel contracted a staph infection and he became housebound. Mm. 
Um, during that time, Daniel became obsessed with the game Halo 3. So Halo 3 is a violent game, I guess. First, I think you shoot... First, first person shooter. Shoot aliens, right? Shoot aliens takes yeah. place in space. In space. It's, in space. Yeah. Very popular video game franchise. Thank you for that commercial. <laughs> I'm not endorsing it. I'm just stating the facts. Um, he would play reportedly up to 18 hours at a time oh without my. breaking to eat or sleep. Now that is a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> Mad respect. Mad respect for Daniel there. Eventually, his mother Susan caught him playing and informed. Well, I would expect yeah. so. Yeah. 18 How hours. do you hide yeah. that for 18 yeah. hours? So, don't, Mom, don't get in. So she informed her husband, and this led Mark to taking the game away. He, this time though, for whatever reason, he did not destroy the game. He locked it up in his safe that also held his 9mm Taurus PT-92 handgun. Uh-oh. Well, maybe he wanted to play some Halo. So it's interesting that you say that because in multiple articles that I read about this, it's mentioned that that was Daniel's belief. That his dad, that his dad wanted to play it. And he was going to play it. And so this was something that was grating on him. Like, I'm not getting to play this game and my dad is going to play this game. Do you that, think there was any truth to that? No, not at all. I, yeah, I doubt his dad no. wanted to play. But it is weird he didn't destroy it yeah. this this time. Yeah. That is weird. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you want to play some Halo. Yeah. Maybe he like you know, Halo is kind of a, you know, angel religious thing. It's like the Halo, you know? Yeah, maybe he was like, I got maybe it. it's a religious game. <laughs> Randy, do you know what a Halo is? <laughs> Norm, for our but listeners, for. for our listeners who don't know what Halos are. <laughs> But <laughs> so Daniel, by all accounts, is beside himself. Days went by and he grew more and more angry. Um, his lawyer would later argue that by this time he was exhibiting signs of withdrawal, withdrawal oh from. So he was addicted video, to Halo from 3. a video game addiction. Yes. yes. Then on October 20th, approximately one week after his parents had confiscated his game, Daniel stole his father's keys, used them to unlock the safe, and from it, he took his Halo 3 game and his father's handgun. Oh, no. He then walked up behind his parents, who were relaxing on the couch in the living room watching TV, and as he walked up behind them, he said, close your eyes, I have a surprise for you. What? Daniel then proceeded to shoot both of his parents. He shot his mother in the head, arms, and chest, and she died almost immediately. Then he shot his father in the head. Miraculously, his father survived and later described the moment his son shot him. So he said, you know, Daniel walked up behind him, said, close your eyes, I have a surprise for you. And he was expecting, you know, some kind of pleasant surprise. And instead, he heard the bang. He felt um, his head go numb, and then he saw blood pouring down over from his skull. He then remembered Daniel saying, hey, dad, here's your gun. Take it. As he's like placing the gun into his dad's hand. Daniel was attempting to make the scene look like a murder-suicide. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Super fucked up. Just minutes after the shooting, Heidi and Andrew Archer, Daniel's sister and her husband, came to the door 
as they had plans to watch the Cleveland Indians ALCS game against the Boston Red Sox. Boston Red Sox won 12 to 2. Thank you for that detail. <laughs> so in the, in the article I read, it just said a baseball game, and I was like, October twentieth. That would have been a postseason game. I'm like, I wonder there'd only be one into. game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are things I would have never looked into. So um, this like part, it. the part of Ohio that they lived in, was just like twenty minutes outside of Cleveland. So it makes were like sense. Big Indians fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so Daniel goes to the door, and he attempts to keep them from entering the house. By saying, you know, you should leave. Mom and dad are fighting. It's been really bad. Like, did he don't know come that in. they were coming over? You think? I don't know. Okay, I, it's not clear to me. I would think that he maybe would have picked a different time. Uh, yeah, had he no. known. Yeah, yeah. So as the, as there this exchange is going on at the door, and he's trying to get them to leave, the sister hears groaning and oh. like moaning in the background, and she pushes through. And finds this grisly scene in the living room. Her mom is dead. Her dad is bleeding and he's, you know, barely alive. Oh, my God. Um, And so she calls 911. Daniel, meantime, runs out the front door, gets in the family van and takes off. He takes with him only (laughs) his Halo 3 video game. Oh, my God. Yes, puts it in the passenger seat. Oh, my God. Yes. Takes nothing else with him. Yeah. This is how, like... This This reminds me of, like... I saw some, like, TLC special of people in love with inanimate objects. Oh, Maybe yeah! Maybe he was, like, legit yes. in love with Halo 3. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, police pursue him, and they were able to stop him at a roadblock a short time later. Yeah. As he's taken into custody, he yells, My dad shot my mom! So he's <laughs> still trying to, like, sell this murder suicide sure thing um mark ends up in a coma for like three days and somehow he survives and like fully recovers from a fucking gunshot to the head yeah crazy yeah i mean he's a minister so maybe he had like a you know direct line to god and yeah God was Mark to God. Mark to God. Help me out here. Come in, God. Help me out, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, following this shooting, Microsoft, the owner of the intellectual property for the game, refused to comment other than saying, "We're aware of the situation, and it's a tragic case." Yeah, I don't blame. What else do you say? Yeah. Yeah. What else do you say? Yeah. (laughs) Our game's that good. Yeah. It's great to hear someone is so passionate about Halo yeah. 3. Please leave us a review. <laughs> yeah. In the stores oh now, Halo 3. No, I, Our game is so good, you'll shoot your <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. No, I, I think they definitely made the right call yeah, saying I think nothing. So. <laughs> um,. Daniel was charged with aggravated murder, aggravated attempted murder, and tampering with evidence. So the tampering with evidence is because he put the gun in his Mm -hmm. father's Mm -hmm. hand, you know. Um, If convicted, he faced a sentence of life in prison. He was um, 16 at the time, so he was too young for the death penalty. Okay. God, I forgot he was only 16. This is crazy. Um, this This is interesting. Daniel waived his right to a jury... Fuck. Juror. Juror. The, the, the rural juror. 
Daniel waived his right to a jury trial and put his fate in the hands of Lorain County Judge James Burge. So hmm. he only his trial only appeared before the judge. Wow. He, Did he think he could like woo the judge over? Like, I think such um, a charming boy. I think his attorney's theory was like this is a topic like you know because their argument is similar to the violent, case that we talked violent about video games yeah. cause them to this do this. This is a topic yeah. that is so polarizing that if we just maybe have one judge who's looking at this and we don't have to have twelve jurors who we don't know what stance they will take on that, yeah, we have a better chance. I would think having a jury would be better though. I don't. I think juries can be so emotional. I agree. And a case where you killed, killed your, your parents, mom. Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't do a jury. Yeah. I I didn't know if maybe there would be a tactic of like, you know, such polarizing opinions maybe it would be a what's that a hung, hung jury? jury? Yeah, mistrial. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, there the, the lawyer probably knows better than I do. Well, no. <laughs> hey, on this podcast we're very we're, confident. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> so his murder trial began December 15th, 2008. Um, so a little more than a year later, mm-hmm. about 14 months later. Um, Daniel's sister and father both testified as well as one of Daniel's friends. Heidi, the sister, told the court that Daniel had become addicted to video games during that time that he had become housebound due, due to the staph infection. Okay, so here's the note here. One article read, said that it was a jet ski accident. One article said that it was a snowboarding accident. So who fucking knows? (laughs) He was either out there shredding some waves or killing some fresh powder. And he ended up housebound for close to a year. Killing fresh powder. Bottom line, he had a staph infection. That's right. Okay. He had a staph infection, and apparently he was some sort of, you know, sportsman. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Mark testified that he and his son had a great relationship, but that he had put his foot down when Daniel wanted to play the Halo video games. It had become so heated that he told his son to leave the house if he could not give up the game. Um, and at that time, at that time, Daniel left the house and spent the weekend with a friend. Um, that friend was Jonathan Johnson. Um, did Jonathan have Halo 3? Yes. You know he did. <laughs> of course yes. he did. Johnson te- is the friend that testified at trial, and he testified that it was during that weekend, when he stayed at his house for the weekend after getting in the argument with his family, that um, Daniel marathoned the game, playing it for up to 18 hours straight with no breaks, no food, no sleeping, nothing. Can now, you imagine having someone I, over at your house that's, doing that? That's a certifiable addiction. To yeah. Something. I love video games, obviously, but I couldn't. I, there's no game I could play for 18 hours straight. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a little, Well, no, because you're putting aside your basic human needs. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an addiction. I f- for sure agree. Yeah. Um, this marathon weekend was roughly one week before the murders, murder and attempted murder. Yeah. Yeah. Only one person died, I guess. Just one. He only murdered one parent. Everyone back off. Yes. Um, Daniel's defense attorney, James Kersey argued that due to the enormous amount of stress put on him by his severe infection, 
Daniel was more susceptible to being influenced by the game. I feel like this is a really tough thing to argue because there's no fucking science behind that whatsoever. The stress of the infection. The stress of the infection led him to be more susceptible to the influence of the game. Okay, so in a way, maybe maybe they're like because he was he was housebound. He right. he needed entertainment, and when the entertainment was taken away from him, right, it stressed him out unbelievably. Well, and you know, in those times in your life when you're really sick, you know, everything kind of falls by the wayside. Right. So I kind of yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but you, that's not a valid argument for murdering somebody. No, <laughs> no. I agree. Yeah. I can see being just, I can see being upset about it, but yeah. not murdering. And it's a, hell of a statement to make when you have nothing to back it up. You have yeah. no case studies, no science of any kind to back it up. I mean, you can just say yeah. whatever the yeah. fuck you want, but you have to have something to back it up. Um, so he also argued that Daniel was not in the right state of mind to understand the finality of shooting his parents. He said that he had been playing the game so long that he did not comprehend the fact that death was real and permanent. Because if you die in a game, you just start it back up and oh, it starts over. Come on. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, that's, I, I can't, I can't see anyone believing that. Yeah, I can't either. Especially, so he was 16? 16, That's yeah. old enough to understand yeah. death. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, in Halo, you're shooting space aliens using these fake weapons. and Yeah, yeah. It's way off base. Whatever. Um, the prosecuting attorney disagreed. <laughs> and he said that not only did Daniel show no remorse for his actions... Um, that he had the forethought to, you know, steal the keys, steal the guns, and then um, set up the shooting as a murder suicide. So, like, yeah, he thought this about was it. something he thought through. Yeah, he was like, "I'll set up as a murder suicide, then I'll get to play Halo Three all I want." Exactly. Um. So it, I wasn't able to find. Like, my understanding is that the. The case only went on for a few days, but then the judge sat with it um, for several days before he, even maybe a couple of weeks before he made a judgment on it. Because he didn't make a judgment on it until January of 2009. So this was being argued like in December and then in January he came back with his verdict. What do you think his verdict was? Guilty. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He found um, Daniel guilty. And then... Um, six months later, everybody was back in court for sentencing. Um, so on June 15th, um, the sentencing hearing was held. Daniel's father, Mark, spoke to the court and asked the judge for leniency. And this is what he said. He said, I know without any doubt he has severe regret, remorse, and guilt for what he did to his mother and I that evening. He's not a throwaway kid. He does have a conscience. Danny can set an example for other young people not to get involved and do the things that he did. And I believe he can do that. He still doesn't understand why he did something so terrible. He has severe regret, guilt, and remorse, which I think he said twice, but. (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, it's worth saying yeah, twice. Right. I see the pain in his eyes. He's sorry for causing everyone so much terrible pain. Um, And, like, he had to stop multiple times during that statement because he was super emotional. And this was reportedly, like, the only time Daniel got emotional in court. Because during the whole trial, all the testimony wasn't emotional at all. Mm -hmm. And then he was, like, visibly shaken and crying during his father's, um, like, statement to the court. Um, So, um, Petrick's attorney um, told the judge that his client was blinded by the reality of the finality of shooting someone due to the video games. So it's kind of what the argument was before. Mm. Like, you know, he was so entwined in this video game world that he didn't understand that what he was doing was reality and final. And then he asked the judge to impose the minimum sentence. Um, His final statement was the addiction and withdrawal from video games to young men who have hormones raging in their systems is exactly what caused Danny Petrick to do what he did. I don't really understand that argument. I don't know what the raging hormones have. Listen. <laughs> Let me tell you about us. my raging hormones. Yeah. <laughs> tell us all about it, Norm. I've got nothing. I just think that's silly. I think that's a crazy weird thing to say. Yeah. It's hormones. Ugh. Yeah. Um... Anthony Sillo, an assistant Lorain County attorney, um, so he's the prosecuting attorney on this case, he said Daniel Petrick deserved the maximum sentence and had already received a break because he was under 18 years old at the time of the crimes and was ineligible for the death penalty. So he's like, look, this kid already got yeah. a break. Yeah. Well, he's already getting off too easy, so we need to impose the maximum sentence. Um, Daniel was given an opportunity to speak the, to the judge on his own behalf prior to sentencing, but he had become so emotional during his father's statement that he was unable to compose himself enough to do so. Like he even like rose as if he had planned to speak, but he was crying so hard that he ended up sitting back down without saying anything. And the, the hearing continued on. Mm-hmm. Um, before imposing his sentence, Burge addressed the court. So this is what the judge said. He said, um, I feel confident that if there were no such thing as violent video games, I wouldn't know Daniel Petrick. In my opinion, Daniel Petrick isn't the same young man that he was on the evening he attempted to kill both of his parents. And he will be a different human being, I'm certain, 20 years from now. What do you think about that, Kristen? Uh, no. Yeah. No, I I it, don't agree with that at I all. I think it's a really interesting statement. And he addressed the court after he imposed a sentence, and I'll read you what he said there in just a minute. But it's he definitely has a view on the video games influencing yeah. violent crime. Um, so ultimately, Judge Burge sentenced Daniel to 20 years to life for aggravated murder 10 years for attempted aggravated murder and five years for tampering with evidence all to be served concurrently. He was also given a three year firearm specification, which will be served consecutively to the 20 year term. So he will be eligible for parole after 23 years. 
That is the minimum sentence allowed by Ohio state law. So he got the minimum. Wow. Yeah. I don't think a jury would have done that. I don't either. I I don't think a jury would have done that at all. No. Jury would have done life without parole. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, so this is what... So this is the opinion that the judge gave after handing down his sentence. And this is, I think this is interesting. I also think it's fucking crazy. Okay. Okay. The court must enter a finding of guilty on the counts set forth in the indictment. That being said, it's my firm belief as a human being and not as a jurist that Daniel does suffer from a serious defect of the mind. This court's opinion is that we don't know enough about these video games. In this particular case, not so much the violence of the game, because I believe in the Halo 3, what amounts to what it amounts to is a contest to see who can kill the most aliens. But it is my firm belief that after a while, the same psychological responses occur that occur in the ingestion of some drugs. And I believe that an addiction to these games can do the same thing. The dopamine surge, the stimulus, the same as an addiction, such that when you stop, your brain won't stand for it. The other dangerous things about these games, in my opinion, is that when these changes occur, they occur in an environment that is delusional. Because you can shoot these aliens and they're there again the next day. You have to shoot them again. And I firmly believe that Daniel Petrick had no idea at the time he hatched this plot that if he killed his parents, they would be dead forever. Give me a break. (laughs) I just, I can't agree with that. I can agree with the addiction stuff. Yeah. Sure. I completely agree with that. Yes. Do I believe that you can become addicted to it? Sure. Absolutely. You can become addicted to running. Yes. (laughs) I mean, but yeah, the whole like... He thought if he shot his parents, they would come back to yeah, life. It's like, I no, don't agree with no, that they, he did not think that. Yeah, I don't agree with that yeah. at all. Okay. That's unreal. To it me. is. It really is. And so this is kind of what we were talking about earlier. When like this judge, if there would have been science to back up this argument, he reportedly said like. If he could have found him guilt, not guilty by reason of insanity, if there was science to back that up, he would have. He would have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what's odd is um, if he claimed there wasn't enough scientific evidence, like, how could he make a judgment himself? Exactly. Then? How could he be like, I think there is. Well, so that's so just I'm going to rule on it. But no, that's just it. That's yeah. what he said. You know, he said, I believe that this is true, but. As the judge, I have to say, yes, that he is guilty on this indictment for these reasons. But yeah. I'm going to sentence him to the minimum. The minimum, because this is what I believe. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. just stunned. Yeah. Ugh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I have one final question. Okay. As we wrap this, this case up. So here's my question. Were Daniel's parents right? Was he influenced to commit this horrible crime by the violence of these video games? Or was he driven to commit these crimes by overprotective, oppressive parents? Would the result have been the same had the game not been taken away? No. 
I feel like absolutely so, not. I'm I'm going to disagree. I feel like if you're the type to murder someone, uh-huh. you're probably going to do it. It the circumstances can change. The circumstance, you know, maybe it's mm-hmm. because they took away Halo Three one day. Maybe it's because they grounded you the next day. But I kind of feel like if if you've got that in you, mm-hmm. you'll probably do it mm-hmm. at some point. But would he have done it to his parents? Not necessarily. Yeah, I think he probably had some. Like, I yeah, I think anyone that murders somebody there's definitely something in them in them that makes them capable of doing that but i think in this particular situation speaking not as a parent yeah but i think their their over aggressive need to censor what he was seeing i think yeah. led to them being the target of that rage that he had right mm mm-hmm. And not the exposure to the video game that they feared so much would have some horrible influence on him. You do wonder, like, what if what if he was addicted to uh, Super Mario Brothers instead of right. Halo Three? Would he right. have? Do you think he would have still murdered his parents? Yeah, because their argument. I do. Yeah, because because their argument was well, the game was violent, and yeah. so it made him, you know. Yeah, and their argument wasn't against it. all video games because right. they allowed him to have a video game console. Yeah. They were against specifically violent video games. Yeah, see, I feel like he was driven to kill more by like entitlement and rage and yeah, 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 and not the exposure to the violence of the video game. No. Yeah, I agree. I also, I'm curious about what his home life was really like. Yeah. Sure. Was there, yeah. a, was there abuse? I'd to know more. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I'm thinking about with my case was obviously Devin Moore had a really, really Who's tough. Devin Moore? Shut <laughs> yeah. up. Wait, you already went over your case? I thought you were up next. You know what? This is going to be the trigger for me. <laughs> oh, no. I played some violent games in my day. Oh, boy. On the next, let's go to court. We're live at the Kansas City Courthouse. Aladdin for the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Look into that game. They're going to be like, so she kicked them both, and she expected them to, like, fade out for a few seconds and then reappear? Yeah. She's addicted. No. Shit, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So Devin Moore had a really messed up childhood. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's just hard for me to believe that someone would totally snap like your guy from, after a totally normal childhood. The stuff that I read, it didn't go a lot into his childhood, but his father was very supportive of him even after everything, you know, f- completely forgave him. His sister was very supportive of him, and so Man, you know, I'm thinking like know. if one of my family members did that, I, I don't I don't think I'd be like I don't think I'd stand behind him. His church family stood behind him. See, and again, I, I, I couldn't think do that's it. weird. Yeah. I, I kind of think it's weird. If my brother or sister murdered somebody, I... Murdered your mom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah murdered not just my somebody, mom. your mom. <laughs> your mom yeah. and tried to shoot your dad. I mean, Yeah, I don't think that. I'd be like, well, leniency on them. I'd be like, no, give them the max. I, I'm trying to put myself in, into it, and I think that... 
I would try to maintain a relationship. But I, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be yeah, like, Yeah, I, th- I think okay. as, a, as, a, as a direct family member, yeah, you should no, definitely. No, I just thought of this. What? It is easier to accept, to say, hey, have some leniency on my child. This wasn't them that, that did this. This was the horrible video games so yeah. that you free yourself from that belief that your child could have just oh. done right. this. You, do, you to blame their it parents. on something else. Yeah. No shit. How have yes. we not thought about this? Yes. And of yes. course, it's easier on everybody. Absolutely. Might be one of the driving reasons like people blame forms of media for like yes. these horrible things. It's an easy target. It frees yes. you. It frees you from so many things, including yeah. did I do a bad job raising Absolutely. this kid? Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't my kid. This was this video game addiction, this exposure to these this my kid. No, judge, I need leniency for my perfect baby boy, you know. This yeah. is not what he did. This is the horrible violence of video games yep. and he can tell people, you know, in the future how horrible these things are. I think that's 100% it. Yeah. It definitely is. Hmm. Case closed. That's it. Solved. Stamp it. Do they stamp those? Case I, they should. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like the the video games are evil argument comes up every few years, mm-hmm. and will continue to have it come up every few years. I'm surprised you haven't brought up the point that I've heard you make before about how these violent video games are everywhere, internationally. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's. Now. Um. Yeah. So. One one thing that is interesting is people like recently Donald Trump blamed violent video games for the Parkland shooting oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Florida. Um, he said these violent video games are giving these kids these ideas, but these video games are sold internationally. Mm-hmm. Every country, pretty much every country, has access to these games. Why aren't these horrible things happening in other countries? Right, you know, in Japan. There are some because they have stronger gun control. Uh, yeah. well, and if you thought games were crazy and and weird in North America, go to Japan. Yeah. There's some even weirder crazy stuff yeah. coming out of Japan. And they don't have these horrible, you know, mass shootings. Yeah. And you know, they don't blame video games for these horrible tragedies. So, it's, yeah, it's I don't know. I I like I like I said every few years it comes up in the news. Fox News a few years ago, there was a game called Mass Effect that had a, you could form relationships with characters and you could have sex with them. Like if you, know, you fell in love in the game. Mm-hmm. And Fox News like went nuts about it. Like, oh my God, you can have sex in a video game. You don't see anything. Mm-hmm. It's just you You can tell the characters yeah. are going to have sex. And they went just, nuts in what way? Like they were really mad about they, it? Yeah, they couldn't believe there was... You know, a, a sex scene in a video game. And it's like, do you watch movies? Do you watch yeah. TV? Like, what? What is? What is the, the Sims deal been here? doing that for I years? Know, I was yeah. say, they heard that your Sims can have sex. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess I just don't understand the outrage over that. I mean, who cares? Yeah. You know, when you did your the hot coffee episode, yeah, Grand Theft Auto, the hot coffee right. modification. Um, the guy that made the hot coffee mod so the characters can have sex, his quote about why why do people care more about sex in a video game than the violence in a video game? I feel like one is like between consensual adults and the other is like you're yeah. literally murdering somebody. Yeah. 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 
<laughs> By the way, if you want to know more about that episode, you can order the Blu-ray. Gaming Historian Volume 1. <laughs> available at... TheGamingHistorian.com or... GamingHistorian.com <laughs> I just found out today you can go to my, my website from two different URLs. You know what? You're not invited to lunch with us anymore. <laughs> no, please. I'm hungry. This podcast has been going on forever. I liked this. I liked I having too. a guest. I mean, we won't invite this particular guest back. Yeah. But... I, liked, I liked having a theme. Yeah. It was cool to it have a theme. Fun. It was fun to have a theme. Next week, clowns. No. Brandy's afraid, I'm of, afraid clowns. of clowns. So am I. <laughs> Legit. I have a fear of clowns. Okay. Did you guys both watch it? No, mine does not come from it. I didn't watch it because I was afraid of clowns. Mine comes from Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ooh, yeah. horrible B horror movie. Uh But I saw it when I was like... Too young. Four or five. (laughs) Yes. What? And the fucking clowns wrap people in cotton candy and suck their blood out. Ew! Wasn't there a but weren't there a bunch of clowns complaining that it caused like the downfall of their careers? Why okay. are you pointing to me for that? Because you told me about this. Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe. Kristen, weren't you really pissy or clown? <laughs> yeah. Clown? Yeah. Chris, Kristen's clown career ended because of it. I had a reality show lined up on E. I had everything. And then that movie was released. I think clowns are just creepy. They're yeah, they're, they're super creepy. creepy. I mean, maybe back in the day when there was less entertainment. Yeah, I guess it would be um, cool to see a dude in makeup super, with a big red nose. I have this super vivid memory. Um... Of my parents. So my dad and my mom. So I was young because mm-hmm. I got divorced when I was, I don't know, like four or five. And so uh, they took me to the shrine circus and they wanted me to take my picture with a clown. clown and central. Like, the clown was going to like hold me or something. I just remember I have this vivid memory of just like screaming my head off. Heck like while they no. wanted me to take my picture Get with this, this clown. Creepy clown. Yeah. Perv daddy away from me. Ew. Perv daddy. <laughs> okay, now am I making this up? I feel like one time when we were pretty young, we were at the mall. And a clown followed us around the mall? Yes. Yes. A clown followed you? I remember Brandy was losing her shit. I'd be losing my shit too. Yes. Why was he following you? Because he's a fucking clown. He's he's a creepy ass fucking clown. Okay. Here's something interesting. (laughs) Hate clowns. Love clowns balloon animals so i learned <laughs> to make balloon animals <laughs> you separated them from the clown right. even though clowns are primarily responsible for balloon animals sometimes you've got to separate that's the right. art from the that's artist right. I, I, I have to learn how I to do make like, my own balloon i animals. do like balloon animals yeah. they're well, pretty yeah. cool There's who been... doesn't like balloon animals i don't know hate to know that person i know if you take away a balloon animal from brandy she might commit a horrible villain. <laughs> okay, I just pictured... Brandy was addicted to balloon animals. <laughs> no, I just pictured Brandy jumping into her car with only the balloon animals. It's sitting in the passenger seat. Yeah, yeah. and buckled in. <laughs> like, she leaves her purse and everything behind, but she's got the balloon animal. Man. Well, Norm, I hope this was fun for you. This this was entertaining. Yeah, yes. thank you for okay. being our first and only guest ever. On You're welcome. Podcast. Before you came over, Brandy, I, I'm just going to be honest. I was like, but Norm, come on. Are you kind of excited like to you know, be around us? And he goes, 
I see you two losers every week. <laughs> yeah, I, you guys come over every week, so. Well, technically, I don't come I over. I was going to say, you just come here for me, Kristen. You don't yeah, actually I'm, live here. I'm kicking Kristen yeah. out. We have a very said, strained marriage. <laughs> um, join us next week when we'll be experts yeah, what, on. What are we talking about shut this up. week? What are we talking about next week? Norman, you're y'all? not invited. Oh. <laughs> I gotta set up the mic, so technically okay, I am invited. invited. I just can't be on. And then you have to leave. I feel left out. I didn't do a murder case. Well, I did a. I think it's probably good that you didn't do a murder yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Switch yeah. it up Balances a little bit. Do you want to come on some other time and do a murder, murder case? case? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, think about what you know. You a murder case. You're really a big fan of. We should do a clown theme. Oh God. Let's that would go to be court. Fun. Yeah. Surely some clowns have gone oh, to court. Gacy. Oh, John Wayne, John Gacy. Wayne Gacy. He was a clown. Oh, That's right. Yeah, he's a creepy ass fucking clown. That, that might be the number one clown case. Oh yeah, for should sure. Should we start doing themed episodes more? You often? totally hey, should. If you like the idea of us doing a themed episode, stop by our Facebook page. Um, Facebook.com or... slash gaming historian. No. <laughs> And talk about your favorite themes. Our <laughs> Facebook page. Um, tweet us at Let's Go the Number Two Court. Uh, check out our Instagram. Leave us a comment at LGTC Podcast, or send us over an email at LGTC Podcast at gmail.com and suggest some themes. Maybe we'll maybe we'll go somewhere with I'm this digging theme the clown idea. Theme. I like the clown theme too. I mean, and also, I don't if mind you're the, theme, the clown theme, if I could talk about a shitty ass clown, I do that. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Brandy, I've been lobbying for you all to talk about the man at the Royals game that got hit, I know. hit in the eye with a hot dog. So if you ever have a, like a baseball themed episode or a hot dog themed, like food I- when food items attack. When food items, <laughs> I think I've seen that show. <laughs> sure, well, surely there's been a lot of court cases with food. Well, sure. Yeah. So have me on for that one because I do love some food. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I'll talk about. The hot dog in the eye guy. No, I'm you look talk about so it. excited. I, I, it's one of the funniest cases I've ever read about. Well, don't spoil it. Yeah. No, I won't. I'll save it for the episode. Anyway, <laughs> if you enjoyed the podcast, please do us a huge favor. Tell your friends. Yes, just you know, like one person. I'll just tell my tell friends. Just tell a hundred people. Yeah, that's all we ask. That one, you make a sandwich. Yeah, board. one or one hundred people. <laughs> you know. Norman, Norman, are you going to tell people? Yeah, I'm going to share this out. Excellent. To my millions of followers. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. (laughs) And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from Kotaku, CBS News, and People Magazine. And I got my info from articles for CBS News, The Plain Dealer, and The Morning Journal. And I got my info from the book Game Over by David Sheff, the New York Times, and the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse Library. For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours. But please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. <laughs> <laughs>